That's not a real, it's just a joke. It's a, it's a fake. Well, welcome everyone uh, to the eight. We are in the middle of a series titled The Best Version of Yourself because as we begin a new year, we all want to be a better version of ourselves. Even, even though this is a very broad, generic, relatively interpreted phrase, we all want to be a better version of ourselves depending on how you define better and how you define yourself. It can be taken in so many different directions, but we all want to be a better version of ourselves. So we all have different goals. Maybe we've said out loud, maybe we just have on our heart, we want this year to be different. We want to eat better. We want to, you name it. There's so many things that we want to do better at, be better financially. We want to set healthy boundaries, you, so forth and so on. We all have all these goals that are in our heart or we've said out loud or we've written it out. It's just within us as a new year begins, it's embedded within us to have new dreams or goals that we want to accomplish this year. But a common thing between all the goals that we have it's all about us. It's all about us. It's what's best for me. What's going to help my self-improvement? Everything is about me. And the, the question that we've been talking about in this series that we'll continue to talk about today, um, I'll, I'll kind of go out of order here, is this question. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And we're going to you know, break this question even further this week. We introduced it last week on part one. Part two, we're going to go further into this. And I'm, I'm kind of going out because I forgot about this. Is We can relate to the words of St. Anthony the Great, a great church hero from the fourth century, third century. And he said these words, today, oh, sorry, every day I say to myself, today I will begin. Every day I say to myself, today I will begin. So at a psychological level, we want to begin. We want this to be a new start in whatever capacity. Our reflex is to begin a new beginning about me. But there's something missing, and this is why I'm throwing out this heavy question, heavy-hearted question, no pun intended, of what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? If you break down this question even further, a big element of this question is related to your purpose, is related to your purpose. And, and I want to make this clear, regardless of where you might be faith-wise, as far as believing in Jesus or not, every single one of us has a very distinct, unique, strategic purpose in this temporal world. Regardless of the pressures and weight and our past and issues and wounds that are upon us, every single one of us has been beautifully, strategically put in this world for a unique purpose. This is why this question, what breaks your heart, it hits something within us. You, you instantly begin to resonate with the question. You want to lean in toward that question more as far as what breaks your heart. All of us are looking for a purpose, a drive. Our drive is not just to get up tomorrow morning and go to work and just go to school and just go through the motions. We're looking for something more. This gives a very simple, small, sample size example. I don't know if I, what I said just made sense, but it gives us an example of how God is within us, is that we're looking for something more that shows that the very fabric of who we are is spiritual beings. We're looking for something so much more and something bigger than ourselves. I'm not going to bore you with different studies, but the outcome of many studies when they try to entertain the question of what's the purpose of life, they connect it, they find at the end, who, is, who lives the most fulfilling, content life are those who live for things bigger than themselves, who have clarity on their purpose. 
And that purpose is bigger than themselves. This is the, the generic conclusion from different studies that entertain the question is what is the purpose of life? Being, the driving force of happiness by our default because of our weakness is us. But if us is the outcome, if it's all about me, what's convenient for me, what makes me happy, then this ends up being true. Being consumed with you will ultimately consume you. Being consumed with you will, be, will naturally lead you to a dead end where you'll only be consumed with you. I know this is not the demographic, but I, I, I wanna take a couple seconds here to vent. When young people, like in, in high school and college, when their agenda is me, when every, everything's about me, and, and it becomes embedded in them, like they, they have no part of them that to serve others or to give of themselves, they never did mission trips, they never built that virtue, they never built that muscle. You know what happens over and over again? It becomes cemented in them that everything needs to be about me. You know what happens when they start dating? Their, their subconscious agenda is, what can this person bring to the table? Then that becomes their driving force. What can this person do for me? They wouldn't admit it. Nobody wants to admit it because that, you just sound so selfish and egotistical if anyone says it out loud, right? No one goes on a date and says, so what can you bring to the table? No, no, no one says that. But it drives us. It motivates many who go into dating. And, and forgive me, I just want to be very blunt because I, I want to vent about it. When, so if again, as a young person, it's cemented within them that life is all about what's convenient for them, what makes them comfortable. That transfers over for them to date. Once they begin dating, then their, their entire agenda is what's in it for me. Then that moves forward into marriage. And that always, 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 I'm not exaggerating, leads to a dead end. It leads to a dead end when that, that an entire motive of that person is all about me. Maybe the dead end is divorce. Sometimes the dead end is just, we're going to live as roommates. You do you, I do me. And you just, you're done because your entire framework to life is what's in it for me. And it leaves a void. It leaves a void and we're looking for more. We end up sometimes looking outside for more, but we try to fill in that void because what's been embedded with my heart is what's in it for me. I'm sure you guys have heard the saying of like, oh, he's so full of himself. She's so full of himself. What does that mean? When that person is full of themselves, that means their entire agenda, every conversation, every life decision is what's convenient for me. What they do with their finances, what they do with their time off, it's all about me. But if you even go further into what's, when it's all about me, it's trying to fill in an emptiness. What is that emptiness? Is an insecurity. I'm trying to fill in that insecurity by how I compare myself to others, how others might view me. It's an insecurity. And that insecurity is an endless cycle. Nothing is able to fill that. So for those, and we're not talking about ourselves because we're different, right? But for those who are full of themselves, right? That's not us, we're, we're good. But for those that you and I see that are so full of themselves, they're full of what? Their agenda, every life decision, everything they do is about them. Break that down further, it's an emptiness. And what is that emptiness? What drives that emptiness is an insecurity because they're off balance and it's an endless cycle. There's a fourth century church father by the name of Saint Ephraim, the Syrian. He's from Syria. Saint Ephraim says these words. If you give all your life to the earth, if your entire agenda 
is all about you. Every financial decision is about you. You manage your schedule, your Google calendar is all color-coded and cute, and it's all about you. And every, your, your PTO and your time off is all about you. What you do after work, after school, every life decision, who you hang out with, is all about you. If this, if, if this is the end goal, if you give all your life to the earth and everything of those examples that I just gave, if that just ends up becoming our driving force, the earth gives you a tomb. It leads to nothing. You, you, you leave this world empty-handed. You leave with nothing because everything was about you. You're consumed about yourself, then myself consumes me, and then I'm left with nothing. If you give all your life to the earth, the earth will give you a tomb. And then at our funeral, people are trying to find something nice to say about ourselves of how we gave of ourselves, but in reality, we made every life decision, every relationship was about me. And then you're left with nothing. You're just left with stuff that people argue and fight over how they're going to divide the stuff, but you're left with nothing. If you give all your life to the earth, the earth will give you a tomb. But you're here because you know there's more to life than just this earth. He continues. But if you give your life to something bigger than yourself, if you give your life to the kingdom, if you give your life to God, if you give your life to heaven, then heaven will give you a throne. How beautiful is that? If you live for the earth, earth gives you nothing, a tomb. You're left with nothing. But if you give your life to something bigger, if you embrace the question of what breaks your heart, then heaven will give you a throne. We devout ourselves to ourselves. We will end up losing ourselves. If I devout myself to myself, then I will eventually lose myself because everything is about me. And then I'll feel bitter, I'll feel off, I'll never be content. And you know what I end up doing? I start pointing the fingers and blaming others. Oh no, it's, it's my upbringing, it's my parents, it's my childhood, it's my sibling, it's my boss, it's the government, it's the president. I end up blaming others because that, 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 that kind of softens, that, 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 that kind of softens the edge within me. So it's easy, it's easy for all of us to blame others. Why am I not content? Why? I, I've consumed myself. It's just about, been about me. Every relationship, every financial decision, every move I make is about me. But still, it's still off. There's still something off. And that's not me. It's them. It's her. It's them. It's they. We end up wanting to blame everyone else besides ourselves. If you look at the Christian worldview, it is full of paradoxes. A paradox is something that, like, does make sense. Like if I say less is more, kind of less is more, kind of makes sense, but it does make sense. It's like the opposite, but are connected. The Christian worldview and the way that Jesus came to restore us is full of paradoxes, just to give you a few. For me to be filled, it requires me to empty of myself. For me to gain requires me to give. And for me to win ultimately requires me to lose. The problem that has happened over the centuries and a weakness of us, we want to reduce Christianity to just believing. We want to reduce being a Jesus follower, forget Jesus follower, 
to just believing. If I come every now and then, I do my church thing, I do my liturgy thing, and I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe in Jesus. And we ended at that, and then I go back and do whatever I want online. I go back and live my own life on Friday night, and every other day of the week looks completely different. And we reduce to, to, to being a Jesus follower to just believing. And then we ask ourselves, why am I not happy? Why am I not content? Because I've reduced being a Jesus follower to just believing in Jesus. How far does that take you and me if I just reduce Christianity to just believing? The basis, the basis to accepting Jesus' invitation to come and see, right? So let, me, let me explain this. A common language that Jesus did because he honored and respected everyone. He's not forcing anyone to find the fullness of life in him. He's, he's not going to twist anyone's arm. He gives honor and respect for everyone to choose. The basis of accepting the invitation and when Jesus invites others and tells them to come and see, right? He, he says, I, I'm not going to force you, but if you're looking for more, I am the way, I am the truth, but you have to come and see. But the basis to accepting Jesus' invitation for us to come and see who he is is not self-improvement. The, the, the agenda of what drives you and me to follow Jesus is not, how is this going to make my life better? Yes, being a Jesus follower does make us better at life does give me peace which surpasses all understanding. But that's not the end-all be-all. The basis to accepting Jesus' invitation to come and see is not self-improvement. The basis, the prerequisite, the framework for me to accept the invitation of my Savior, our theme for this year, is self-denial. This has to be the basis. This is the basis. The result is self-improvement. Don't get me wrong. Are we better? Am I able to handle grief and pain and hardships? And even how I view myself, am I able to push forward with boldness and confidence because I'm a Jesus follower? Yes, that's a fruit. That's a product. But what's the baseline for me of that is self-denial. There has to be space for him to work. But I'm not coming to Jesus and be like, God, I need you to fix this thing at work. I need you to fix this thing, I need, it, or I, I need to be better at this. It's not going to take you, we're always going to be disappointed if that's the posture of how we move in toward the fullness of God. The basis to accepting Jesus' invitation to come and see is not self-improvement, but it's self-denial. Happiness is a result. Self-improvement is a result. Yes, but it requires me to deny my natural reflex, and our reflex for all of us, is me. What's in it for me? Embracing the question of what breaks your heart, embracing for you and I to be the best version of ourselves that God has created you and me to be, it will cost us something. It will cost us something. This ain't Amazon convenience two days and sets your door. It will cost us something if we're wanting to embrace the fullness of the question of what breaks our heart. I want to share with you the words of Jesus. This is from, St. Mark records this. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said. So just, just I want you to have a visual of this. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere Jesus went, there was always followers around him. 
right? You had the crowd. Maybe part of the crowd is just, you know, they want free food. They want to be popular. Maybe they want to get the inside scoop of who Jesus is. So forth and so on. Everyone has their own agenda, right? So you have the crowd, but then you also have a group of disciples. Like, break down the word disciple. Is Someone who's a disciple, it means they have the spirit of being a student. They're wanting to learn. Right? So you have different people who have different motives of following Jesus. You have some that are just wanting to self-improve. And then you have another group of people that are wanting to surrender their, themselves and, and are wanting to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Right? Those are his disciples, right? for the most part. So you have a wide array of people who have different agendas of following Jesus. So Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he told them, Whoever wants to become a student... Whoever wants to follow me, whoever has been intrigued by, of, of, of just seeing God, who's wanting to follow me and wanting to find the fullness of life in me, if you're wanting to become my disciple, listen to the next part here. And before I get to the next part, you're Jesus. You're wanting to change the world. You're wanting a huge following that will change the course of world history. So you want to say things that are attractive, that make people feel like a million bucks. You don't want to say anything that will make people turn away, right? You want to win them over. But Jesus is not there to just to, to play with their emotions and to win them temporarily. Jesus is trying to get to their heart. He's trying to win their soul for them to know the path forward of being a follower of him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. There's so much to unpack from this analogy for Jesus to say for you to, and he's telling them, you need to take up your cross. It didn't make full sense to them because for, for someone to take up their cross, that means it, it's, it's a burden. It leads to death. But Jesus is inspiring them, motivating them, encouraging them. I want you to take up the heaviness that's upon you. Is it that worry? Is it that anxiety? Is it that issue? I want you to take that up. Yes, you need to deny yourself as far as what's in it for me. Deny that. You need to take up the cross and follow me. In other words, he's saying, wait, I'll show you. I'll show you the full impact of the cross. Hold your breath. Hold, hang tight. But for now, I need you to take that weight, that burden, that issue. I need you to take that and follow me. He inspires them to follow but the prerequisite, he's not telling them how they can be a better version of themselves. No. Jesus tells them, you need to deny yourself. I'm sure. I mean, we didn't get the details from Sam Mark. But I'm sure some people said, what? I'm out. I thought I was getting another fish sandwich. Some people left, I'm sure. Because they're looking at how they can be better. Or how they can self-improve, self-help. As if Jesus is a walking, talking self-help book. And they're looking for that. But Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple... It's going to cost you something. It's going to require you to deny yourself. I don't mean to, like, bring up wounds from our past. But if you look at our biggest regrets and our biggest mistakes we've made in life, if we're honest, we were in a season where it was all about me. Our biggest regrets was wrapped in a season of, it's all about me. If, if we're honest with ourselves, we were in a season of all about me. We were filling ourselves at the expense of others. When we live a life when it's just about me, 
intentionally or unintentionally, we hurt those around us and we miss out. We only become consumed with ourselves, and we're left with nothing. We're left with nothing at the end. Jesus continues. Whoever wants to save their life, again, here's the paradox. If you want to save your life, you will end up losing it. If it's all about you, you will end up with nothing. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. The word gospel, by the way, it's not just like, oh, the four gospels. The word gospel means the good news. Whoever loses their life for me and pursues the good news, which I am the fulfillment of that good news, this is where they will find salvation. I want to keep this very simple, and it's a very simplistic series, a simple question that there's so much to unpack, and we'll talk more next week about our purpose. But if we're wanting this year to be different, if we're wanting our life to be different, what does it look like to lean in toward what Jesus is telling us, to deny ourselves? That, that can go in so many different directions. But what does that look like? At least for now. For us to put in the back of that self-improvement mentality, that what's in it for me mentality. What if that took a back seat? And I, and I, I don't make decisions off of that. Yes, what I'm saying is highly unattractive, is highly unnatural for us. But this is the path forward, is that when I deny my ego, deny the passions of my flesh, deny what's in it for me, and I suppress all that, and I accept the invitation of what he wants to do within me. Let's continue to embrace and entertain the question of what breaks your heart. For those who know each other here, between this Sunday and next Sunday and in between, I encourage you to pick each other's brain, pick each other's heart. As far as what breaks your heart, this will help us bring that question up to the surface. Instead of, you know, what's your plan this week and what's your goals and what do you plan to do with the kids? What breaks your heart? Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, our weakness leads us to just live for ourselves. And it just, we dig for ourselves a hole that leaves us with nothing besides ourself. We become consumed of just being consumed by ourselves. But Lord, stretch our heart, stretch our mind for us to endure, for us to deny our selfishness, to deny what's in it for me. Because Lord, this is where we find life. This is where we find you. Lord, just as the crowd was just looking for something from you, we do want to find something in you, which is life itself. But Lord, it requires one thing from us to deny ourselves. Lord, there's so much for us to unpack from this now and for, for next week, throughout the year, until our journey of this world is done. But Lord, we pray that we can take this first step to just acknowledge that maybe I'm only living for myself, but for us to stretch and to give and pour ourselves out for others 
as you have beautifully laid out for us. And through the prayers of your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We'll wrap up this question next week, so you don't want to miss it. Have a great week, everybody.